0: An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher, control! Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Oh. Episode 393, submission number 740. To the
1: Shrine of the Silver Monkey.
0: No, 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 no. We have a little bit more money to play around with. It's actually Tales of the Gold Monkey. No, we don't do any silver monkeys around here. We do gold monkeys. Tales of the Gold Monkey aired on ABC from September 22nd, 1982, through June 1st, 1983, for 22 episodes. Six less than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show and Uncle Croc's Block.
2: In 1982, high adventures in exotic locales were the new hotness, and eager to cash in on this new trend, CBS and ABC would greenlight two such adventure series, Tales of the Gold Monkey, and Bring him Back Alive. Bring 'Em Back Alive, that's another thing for another day. Tales of the Gold Monkey, though, would beat CBS by two days. The series, one of the first creations of TV legend Donald Belisario, would draw heavily on one movie. A movie about high adventure in an exotic locale. A throwback to the old serials of days gone by. And that movie was 1939's Only Angels Have Wings.
1: Wow, that's a deep cut. What would you think I was going to say? I don't know, something about an archaeologist eating snakes. Well, that is coming out
2: this week, isn't it? Indiana Jones of the Dial of Destiny,
1: we swear to God this is the last one. This time there won't be any aliens. You would hope.
2: But back to Only Angels Have Wings, I've got the plot here from Truth by Consensus Wikipedia. Its plot follows the manager of an air freight company in a remote South American port town who is forced to risk his pilot lives while vying for a major contract. It stars Cary Grant and Gene Arthur and features supporting performances from Thomas Mitchell, Richard Barthelmess, Noah Beery Jr., and in her first major role, Rita Hayworth. Ooh! In 2017, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I do not know if Raiders of the Lost Ark has been chosen for that honor. Probably. Probably. But let's go back to Tales of the Gold Monkey which was originally supposed to be called Tales of the Brass Monkey when Belisario created it and pitched it to ABC. But here's the thing. The Hugh Blind Company, that is an American producer of alcoholic beverages and food, they had a series of magazine ads with the name Tales of the Brass Monkey. It was about a bar in the far east with hints of Casablanca intrigue and references to the kenpei Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say
1: Brass Monkey.
0: Ooh, ooh,
1: ooh funky. Damn monkey, it! You were gonna ooh, ruin ooh. my joke. I was gonna say this series lasted long enough they could have used Brass Monkey by the Beastie Boys as a theme.
2: Oops. And of course, because it was way too similar to the plot of this TV show, Belisario changed the name to Tales of the Gold Monkey. Although, in a running gag at the end of the pilot, it was revealed that the monkey at the bar was indeed not gold. It was a brass
1: monkey. Brass monkey, dude! Do, do, that funky monkey, dude! Do, do, do. Oh my. <laughs> yeah.
2: Unknown to the characters, though, and revealed but to the viewers only just before the end credits of the pilot, the island where the statue was found does indeed contain a massive structure apparently made of solid gold that does resemble a monkey. But thousands of years of neglect had left it covered in vegetation and debris, and it's only exposed by the same volcanic eruption that forces the characters off the island. Here's a bit of a synopsis about what this show is about. Somewhere in the South Pacific, in the late 1930s, the ex-flying Tiger airman-turned-adventurer Jake Cutter, cigar-stumped, Firmly clenched in his teeth, pilots his rickety, groomed goose amphibious seaplane, which he's affectionately called, and this is about as creative as it gets, by the way, Cutter's Goose, over the tiny islands of the Merivellis chain, looking to land at his home base, the fictional Boragora Island. By his side, his trusty co-pilot, jack a one-eyed jack russell terrier who understands english to the point where he can bark once for yes
1: and twice for no i did mention he has one eye right yes yes he's a one-eyed jack (laughs) i thought that's where you're going with that that's what i was going for actually good
2: (laughs) Not a fan of takeoffs or landings, Jack and Jake skim the water, docking the goose at the small harbor, where Jake invariably makes his way to the Monkey Bar, a fabulous watering hole of bamboo and carved mahogany, owned by Boragora's French magistrate Bonchance Louis, a seen-it-all cosmopolitan plunked down in the middle of this primitive island paradise. As regular a fixture at the Monkey, as the carved primates that decorate the place, drunken, forgetful mechanic and Jake's best friend Corky will no doubt be propping up the bar when Jake busts in. And over by the piano, scrapper Sarah Stickney White, supposedly stranded on Boragora and singing for her supper at the Monkey, is in actuality an espionage agent working for the American government. She's a pretty little thing, and she has it bad for Jake. Also for the pilot. But she's loath to admit she likes the charming rogue. And keeping an eye on everything on the island. Especially for the Japanese military. Good-natured, bumbling German N-word agent, Willie. Who, like Sarah, has adopted a cover for his covert activities. He's posing as Reverend Willy Tenboom, a Dutch missionary who has more minds of the fair women than he has of Our Lady's Grace, let's just say. Rounding out the colorful characters is Jake's sometimes nemesis, sometimes ally, Princess Koji, a beautiful, deadly Japanese dragon lady, princess who runs Matuka Island with ruthless authority, and who engages in all manner of illegal smuggling and trade alongside her samurai guardian, Toto, who is skilled in the ways of the Bushido.
1: All this, and a dog too. It's just ripe for adventure, isn't it?
2: So who will we find? on Boragora Island at the Monkey? Well, we have to start with the lead, Jake Cutter, played by Stephen Collins. We don't talk about Stephen Collins. No, no, no. Playing his man Friday, Corky, Jeff McKay, who is known for Magnum P.I., All the President's Men, and JAG. Two out of three are Belisarius Productions.
0: Oh, hold on. Not just three. He was on Black Sheep Squadron and I do believe that makes three out of four.
2: Ah, very good, Mike. Sadly, he's no longer with us. In the role of Sarah Stickney White, the lounge singer and spy, Caitlin Ohaney. Not known for much, but she was in several episodes of Alien Nation, Three O'clock High, Beauty and the Beast, and she did play Snow White on the first season of Future Entry: The Charmings.
1: Oh God, The Charmings! <laughs> That's all I have to say to that.
0: The Charmings, no. The Charmings. That. <laughs> <laughs> you should add Donald Beresario was a writer on Black Sheep Squadron so does it count? Sure, why not? So three out of four
2: yeah, that counts in the role of Princess Koji Marta Dubois who I should point this out is not Japanese granted she's Not as white as white can be because she's a native of David Panama, like my father and his father before him. But she is not an Asian actress. They try and get away with passing her off as Japanese by having her be half Japanese. Like that makes it better. Yeah, that doesn't fly in 2023. And sadly, she too is no longer with us. In the role of reverend... <laughs> oh, jeez. The humor writes itself on this one. In the role of reverend Willie Tenboom, John Calvin. I don't know, it just sounds like the name of a reverend or a missionary of some sort. Uh,
0: wasn't the founder of Calvinism named John Calvin? That's what I thought. So maybe that's why it sounds sort of
2: Religious ish. Mm. John Calvin in this one is a guy from that thing. For purposes of the Donald P. Belisario Extended Universe, he was in episodes of Quantum Leap, Magnum PI, and Tequila and Benetti. Playing Princess Koji's samurai guardian Todo, John Fujioka. Was known as a chief priest in the original, and for my money, the best version of Mortal Kombat, as well as two episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger, but he was on two shows that we covered on the podcast before. He played Mr. Hagashigawa on two episodes of The Monsters Today, and Chang in an episode of the famous Teddy Z. But mostly he was that Asian guy from that thing. And in the and name of actor as his role, we have Roddy McDowell as Bonchance Louis. And Roddy McDowell, he's just
1: legendary.
2: Don't need to add anything on top of that. He's a legend. But fun fact. Bonchance Louis was played in the pilot by another English actor, Ron Moody, known as Fagin in Oliver from
1: 1968. Please, sir, I want some More? More? But we cannot talk
2: about the cast without talking about Leo the Dog as Jack, who at times was smarter than his pilot.
0: No longer with us, he died April 6th of 1989. Not that we expect a dog to live 40 plus years.
2: Interesting bit of trivia here. Jeff McKay took the role of Corky, the drunkard uh, Man Friday of Jack, when the producers of Magnum P.I. killed off his character. So when this show is cancelled, They brought him back as a different character.
1: What? I don't know. Just say he's like back from the dead or something. I don't know. Or he faked his own death.
2: So what kind of colorful adventures will our Motley crew get into? I'm glad you asked. Here are the episodes. Episode one, Tales of the Gold Monkey, part one. And part two. It was a two-parter. It was a pilot movie. We have the story of an ex-flying tiger pilot and his mechanic and their grooming goose as they fight the Japanese before World War II. Meanwhile, Sarah begins to develop feelings for Jake, and she insists on going with him to find the cargo he dumped so that she can investigate the gold monkey, which the American government is also interested in, of course. Also accompanying them is the German officer who killed their partner. Meanwhile, Reverend Willie Tenboom and Princess Koji also go to the island to find the gold monkey. Everybody's after this damn monkey. We have the Americans. We have this fighter, We have the Japanese. We have the Nazis. And by the way, according to IMDb, the pitch for this movie came one year before Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, yeah. It was one of those cases where they listened, they weren't interested, Raiders of the Lost Ark blew up, then all of a sudden, they were interested. Sort of what happens with uh, anything Star Wars. So, uh, as far as names in this episode, we have Monocle Fritz, played
1: by John Hillerman. I gotta appreciate that Donald Barrasario went with his own guys for this first episode.
2: Gotta watch out for your people. Episode three, or two. Let's just call it two. Episode two. Shanghai'd. A mysterious sailor calling himself Captain Ahab comes to Boragora and kidnaps Corky, forcing him to fix a broken part on Ahab's ship. Despite suffering from malaria, Jake goes after them. I'm looking for a credit for Captain Ahab, but... Yeah, th- what's well,
0: there? It's somebody we've talked
2: about. Guy Stockwell, Dean Stockwell's brother. Oh,
1: okay. Of course, his real name was... Sean Flynn. Why they went for Captain Ahab?
2: The symbolism, obviously.
1: I thought you were talking about Guy Stockwell's name.
2: No, Guy Stockwell's name is Guy Stockwell. I get that. I get that. Oh, another name, especially if you are a kid of a certain age, playing Hugo in this episode, Ken Foray. I believe we talked about him.
1: He was Kenan's daddy on Kenan and Kel. That's right. Good Burger 2 coming to Paramount Plus. Get it before it's yanked. Just saying.
2: Episode 3. Black Pearl. The Nazis are building a super bomb on an island near Boragora. Jake finds a part of the bomb on the body of an escaped native slave, so he decides to investigate. This would actually be the second episode in a different character for Conrad Bachman. He plays a U.S. captain in this episode. He was a perennial that guy from that thing. He played everything from a reporter in The Astronaut's Wife to the governor of California in Outbreak. But playing the role of Dr. John Kimball, Cliff, Potts, legendary actor from Ride of the Dalton Gang, and Silent Running in 1972. And if you've never seen Silent Running before, I highly recommend it. Episode four, Legends Are Forever. An old friend of Jake's shows up and convinces him to help fly medicine to a malaria-stricken Watusi tribe. Named your tribe after a dance there, buddy. Just saying. But Jake's friend may have an ulterior motive. Playing Gandy Dancer, that's his character's name, legendary actor William Lucking. He was in Red Dragon, Contraband, The Limey. I want to say he was in something with Dwayne Johnson, but I cannot find it right now but he was in one episode of Star Trek Enterprise. Greg, he was in Captain America 2 in 1979.
1: Oh, the red-brown Captain America? Yep. Oh, that's great. The red-brown Captain America movies. That, Mike, is the origin for the classic bit on Conan Up. Oh, it looks good! <laughs> it looks good! Looks good. Looks, oh, it good. looks good. Looks good. Oh, it looks good. Looks good. Oh, it looks good. Looks good.
2: Oh, it looks good. Looks good. Oh, it looks good. We haven't done that in a while. By keeping it in universe, he was also on an episode of Black Sheep Squadrons. So there you go. Episode 5 Escape from Death Island. Jake and Corky fly an Englishman to an island near Boragora to visit his son in prison. They are caught trying to spring him from captivity, resulting in their own imprisonment. Uh Uh-oh. 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 They won't survive long in the harsh living conditions enforced by the sadistic warden, so they must find a way to escape from the island. Big name on this episode, guys. Playing the role of Eric Fromby, I imagine he is the son of Arthur Fromby, and the prisoner of the island Xander Berkeley from Twenty Four. That's right. And
1: in a lesser role as a steward, Jack Shea. Is he related to the Shea from Dan and Shea? No. Oh. All right, guys, it's time for another one of my Greg's dad insane stories. Now, we've gone a long time talking about my dad, but I have to mention this. My dad is obsessed with wanting Dan and Shay to break up because my dad thinks Dan has so much talent that he should get rid of Shay. He thinks Shay is dead weight to Dan. Oh, well, I got bad
2: news for your dad, Greg. Yeah.
1: This is CNN Breaking News.
2: Dan and Shay are going to be co-coaches on the 25th season of The Voice in 2024.
1: Oh, well, that's bad news for my dad. He'll probably be watching that entire season of The Voice being like, Dan could do so much better. You know what? I've seen pictures of Dan and Shay. Your
2: father is not wrong.
0: Okay, I must be totally clueless. Who the hell are Dan and Shay? Country pop duo, Mike. Oh, well, that explains it because I'm so big on country music. I thought Dan and Shay was some
2: group and it involves Shay Stadium in some way. Dan and Shay, live from Shay. Except it doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah, it hasn't existed for 15 years. There you go. Maybe Dan and Shay
2: live in City Field. That doesn't have the same pop to it, Greg. Yeah, well. Okay,
0: then rename it Dan and City Field in City Field.
2: Work with me, people. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. Move on. Okay, episode six, Trunk from the Past. Years ago, Sarah's archaeologist's father attempted to find the lost tomb of the pharaoh Ka. He's looking for a tomb of the pharaoh Ka in the South Pacific. Process that. Before he could finish his research, he was murdered by a man dressed as the Egyptian god Anubis. Now a chest containing all of his work is sent to Sarah. This is followed by the arrival of his assistant, who happens to be Sarah's ex-fiance, who believes that the tomb is not in Egypt at all, but is actually on an island near Boragora. Question. They're looking for this pharaoh in the Pacific? They're looking for the pharaoh... In the South Pacific.
0: Who gave him directions? The people who are running the submersible that went to the Titanic? Good night, everybody.
1: Uh, <laughs> Too soon. Timely, uh, though. Impeccably timely. Let me just say, okay, I need to talk about this for a second. The ship was controlled by a $30 Logitech PlayStation controller, okay? And PlayStation 3 at that, I believe. I would never buy that crap. The Logitech controllers are the crappiest ass controllers you can find. Like, you couldn't buy an Xbox controller?
2: Fun fact about this episode. (laughs) (laughs) In the final scene, Jake shows Sarah the October 1938 issue of Harper's Bazaar and comments that the magazine is only a month old. This means that the story takes place sometime in November of 1938.
0: So going back to the controller that uh, operated the uh, Titanic uh, submersible thing. Oh, I thought you would wanted to add something else to that. No, I said all I had to say. Well, you know, they needed an Alexa on board. They really did. Alexa, play Air Supply. Shuffling Air Supply and Similar Artists on Amazon Music. Okay, no, no, I was kidding. Stop, 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 stop. Shut up, shut up. Alexa, stop. I was just playing with you, you crazy piece of machinery that is smarter than a Logitech
2: controller. So playing her ex-fiance, a man by the name of Ted Harrison is Jared Martin, who is in 44 episodes of War of the Worlds from 1988 to 1990. He was also a technician in the original Westworld movie. And, Mike, he was in one episode of Silk Stockings. Hey, as I mentioned to you
0: guys earlier today, what's the deal with Silk Stockings looking like a 1990s Miami nightclub? What police station has palm trees
2: and neon and geometric figures. I don't get it. What nightclub has palm trees and geometric figures?
0: 1990s. And neon. Go watch some Silk Stockings. Seriously. I would,
2: but I don't have living TV, dude.
0: Oh, well, hey, you know what? That's fine. I'm going to watch it because every day it's on for three
2: hours and I'm on summer break now, so. I just remembered. It's on Peacock. I don't have to have Loving TV. It's on Peacock. I can have Silk Stockings whenever I want.
0: Silk Stockings is on the cock. Good night, everybody. But actually, in addition, the first four, five seasons of Silk Stockings is on demand on Pluto TV. Those were the good seasons, anyhow, before uh, Rob Estes and Mitzi Capture left
2: and they replaced them with uh, that guy from Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, and that other lady?
0: We talked about that other lady. I I don't remember where, and I'm not doing the research now because...
2: It's too much research. No, it's because I'm eating my Cane's french fries. That too. And playing Sarah's father, Dr. White, Richard Eastham, no longer with us, but he was very prominent in the 70s and 80s, He was in Galactica 1980, Salvage 1, Barnaby Jones, Grandpa Goes to Washington. Episode 7. Once a Tiger, a plane is shot down while on its way to deliver a shipment of -of state-of-the-art scopes to the Flying Tigers. Knowing that these scopes could mean victory for whichever side claims them, Jake feels that it's his responsibility to find the wreckage, before the Japanese do. Playing the role of Randall McGraw, Lance Legault. Stunt double for Elvis Presley, but would have his own little niche carved out in all 29 episodes of Werewolf as Alamo Joe Rogan. Not that guy. The other guy. We don't talk about that Joe Rogan. No! No! And as a character that is only credited as Japanese Lieutenant, James Saito, the Shredder in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Episode 8, Honor Thy Brother. A Japanese fighter pilot looks to avenge the death of his brother who was shot down by Jake during his days as a flying tiger. Oh boy. Also, Jack gets his eye back and Corky accidentally
1: gets married to a native. What? Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen at all? I have no
2: clue. Playing the role of the revenge-seeking pilot, Kenji Miura, Soon Tech-O, who played the voice of Zhou Fa on Mulan, And I can't believe this is the first time we're talking about this. hip in The Man with the Golden Gun. Actually, I can't believe this is the first time we're talking about Mulan. Episode 9. The Lady and the Tiger. While Jake is flying a routine job, the Goose's engines fail and he crash lands on an island inside the Japanese Mandate. He's rescued by an Amish woman and her son, who agree to harbor him until he can find a way to radio his friends for help. Play the role of Martha, the Amish lady, Anne Lockhart, the daughter of June Lockhart. We've talked about her plenty
0: of times. She was on Battlestar Galactica. She was an imposter on To Tell the Truth a number of years ago. I remember that we've talked about that.
2: Maybe making a Hall of Fame case, potentially. Perhaps. And playing her son, Paul? Jerry Sapirin. Jamie Lawson on all four seasons of Small Wonder. I have to wonder what he's doing
1: nowadays. Regretting playing the son on Small Wonder, I bet. Regretting playing second banana
2: to a robot. Episode 10. The wait, wait, Late... hold on, hold on. I gotta get this out of my system. Oh, jeez. Here we go. No, no,
0: no. No, good, good. No, okay. It's not a no, no, no. Unsurprisingly, his last credit is playing the sun on Small Wonder. <laughs> Talk about going out on a high note. No, that's not a high note. <laughs> Small Wonder is not a high note, Greg. You know better. In my book, it's a high note. No, seriously, nothing after Small Wonder. That was on for four years. You'd think he'd get something after that?
2: Nope. I would have thought that somebody would have made a career out of that show.
0: Yeah, the person who played Vicky on that show.
2: No, fun fact, Tiffany Brissette is now a nurse. She's a nurse now. A robotic nurse? No, she played a robot on TV. She is a nurse
1: in real life. Oh. Episode <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Tiffany Brissette was a super robotic nurse.
0: I'm here to give you your enema. Stick your ass out. This won't hurt a bit.
1: That's the new Fat Man 66. Tiffany percent Nurse Robot or Robotic Nurse. Yeah. And then we can have a crossover with Fat Man 66 where the Fat Man shows up and asks what was in the Danish.
0: Oh, I thought that maybe Tiffany Brissett, the nurse robot, uh, couldn't eat cheese. Well, no, she's a robot. She can't eat
2: cheese. She can't eat anything. She's
0: a robot! I've got a problem with cheese. This is indigestible. Lactose intolerance overload. I need to go to the hospital. One episode per week this summer, folks. We're giving it all we've got. And by all, that means we're giving it
1: nothing. Hope this was worth the wait, Lucas.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Episode 10, The Late Sarah White. A telegram from the Philippines informing everyone of Sarah's death is sent to Bora Gora. Jake doubts that she is really dead, and he and Corky go to Manila to find the truth. Yeah, she must not be dead or else the series would be dead. She made the series. Greg, playing the role of Hito, Professor Toru Tanaka.
1: Oh, that's terrific, Professor Toru Tanaka. You know what? He is building a whole thing case for this podcast.
0: You are correct about that, yes.
1: And playing
2: Horace Simmons, guy with Quite the resume, Nicholas Pryor, he was Joel's father in Risky Business, he was a senator in Collateral Damage, and he was a District 8 patient in The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. On the other side of things, he was a doctor in Halloween Kills. And Greg, he
1: plays Esnik in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, wait, I think we've talked about him before. He's the assistant or the butler guy for um, Daniel Brühl's character, right? Yes. So you know what that means? Oh, Baron Zemo dance? Baron Zemo dance. You know what?
2: This is the perfect time for a break. We're just going to dance while we go to break.
1: Oh, yeah. We're just going to be dancing, pumping our fists while you listen to some 1982 commercials. Get a little Ernie Action while we pump our fists like Baron Zemo, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Vicky
0: is going to give you enema during this break.
1: (laughs) It's all going in. It's all going in. Even that is going in. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. I am the Wizard of Odyssey, and I possess the key to greater video game challenge, the keyboard from Odyssey 2. You can type your name on the screen, what wizardry, change
0: grids, or design whole new ones at will. Or play master strategy games like the Quest for the Rings, or 50 other games. Believe me, the Odyssey 2 keyboard is the key to greater challenge. Available at Minnesota Fats. It's all yours, and it's all mine.
1: Bring your thirsty self right here. You've got the time, we've got the beer for what you have in mind. Oh,
0: welcome to Miller Time. Miller High Life, the best beer for the best time of the day. Miller High Life. Hello, I'm George Plimpton. Here's an easy question for you. Okay, Mr. Plimpton. Which of these home video games looks more like a real arcade game? In television lock and chase from Mattel Electronics? Gee, if people had this game at home, my arcade could be in big trouble. Or Atari Pac-Man.
1: Blinky, you look pale.
0: If you picked in television, you're, you're absolutely,
1: absolutely correct. correct. <laughs> Tuesday, the Fonz is spreading Christmas cheer. This is beautiful. Is it cashmere? No, this is American. Happy days, then. A trapeze artist tries to teach Laverne the ropes. Laverne and Shirley. Tuesday. It is bold. It is new. It is destiny. The United States Football League. Starting March 6th every Sunday on ABC. The country waits. i
0: Vicky is here with your test results.
2: They all came back negative. If Tiffany Brissette is somehow listening to this, I'm so sorry. Vicky is going to check
0: your temperature with a... Rectal thermometer. Bend over. This won't hurt a bit. Chico is speechless.
2: Episode 11. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 11, The Sultan of Swat. Gamble Rogers, a famous American baseball player who also happens to be Jake's boyhood hero, arrives in Boragora on his way to play a goodwill baseball game in China. During his stay on the island, a young native girl is R-word and murdered in his bedroom. Jake believes he's innocent, and he sets out to find... The real killer. This is where you can tell that things are starting to take a turn less toward the goofy and more toward the not-goofy. A couple of names in this episode. Playing Gamble Rogers. John DeSanti, who was Gus in Batteries Not Included. And Sam Shanken in 20 episodes of Homefront which aired after the Gulf War and played on that sentiment. And then playing Harvey Bean, James T. Callahan, who was in an episode of Black Sheep Squadron and two episodes of Knight Rider, but you would probably remember him as Mr. Powell on... Every season of Charles
1: in Charge, except for the first one. Oh yeah, Mr. Powell. Walter Powell, yes. And
2: no, Greg, even though the name of the episode is The Sultan of Swat, Babe Ruth is not mentioned once.
1: Oh, that's a shame.
2: Yeah. Oh, another, another big name, playing Zita Henriquez, Nia Peoples. This was before fame. By the way, Corky is seen reading Superman number 11, which did not come out until 1941. So either the Cutter's Goose runs on Time Lord energy or somebody messed up the continuity.
1: I boy Barry Allen. Episode 12, Ape Boy. Jake Corky. Bo- Ape- Hold on. Ape Boy. <laughs>
2: Just when you thought this show was getting some gravitas, they they make the hard left back into silly. Jake, Corky, and Sarah are on their way to Takataya to celebrate Bastille Day, when Jake has to land his plane near a small island due to a severe storm. During their attempt to find the native fishermen of the island, they come across a boy who has been raised by apes, and they struggle to decide whether they should leave him there or take him back to civilization. Meanwhile, an Englishman who is looking for the boy makes a deal with Princess Koji concerning the boy's future. Playing the ape boy, Shane Sanutko, who actually starred alongside Roddy McDowell in Scavenger Hunt. Ironically, both actors, known for playing ape men, but in Scavenger Hunt, neither one was an ape man. Another name in this episode, playing a man by the name of Halliburton, is Michael Ensign, who played the hotel manager in the original Ghostbusters, Behringer's aide in the original War Games, and Benjamin Guggenheim in 1997's Titanic. And that's all I will say about that.
1: Yeah, because Mike already did the Titanic joke for this episode. Yeah.
2: Uh one thing I
0: do want to add, he played Jeeves in something that we've covered previously,
1: not another high school show. Hey, that made Jennifer Lawrence's career other than the time she played that mascot in that one episode of Monk.
0: And we are gonna talk about that.
1: Oh yeah, we will. Because Lord knows. We need an excuse to talk about Tony Shulrub on this podcast, which, of course, as we all know, 93 episodes ago, for the first time ever on this podcast, I mentioned that I love Wings. Can you believe it's now getting close to 100 episodes since the first time I ever mentioned that I love Wings? I've lost count.
2: I really have. Oh, did we talk about him being the voice of Dr. N. Tropy from the Crash Bandicoot games? Oh, no. No, we haven't. He was the voice of Dr. N. Tropy in the Crash Bandicoot games. Oh, I hated him. Everybody knows. Episode 13, God Save the Queen. Jake and Corky fly a British nobleman to a cruise ship only to find that this man is planted a. On- bomb on board and he will tell the captain where it is only when he's given the royal jewels that are on board the ship with the duke of windsor
0: hey we got another continuity slash chronological issues here because if this is taking place between like 1938 and 1941 would it be god save the king because the queen didn't come till 1952 i believe
1: that's correct Yeah, because isn't the king at this time the dude from The King's Speech? Colin Firth. Yeah, the guy that. (laughs) Wouldn't it be hilarious if Colin Firth was actually the king of England at this time? Yeah, no. Uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, a few names in this episode, as Lady Melody Fontaine, the Duchess of Windsor. Catherine Lee Scott, known for playing Catherine in the 1974 version of The Great Gatsby. And not only the narrator, but Maggie Evans in the original Dark Shadows.
0: Oh, and the uh, king you're talking about? I don't know. If George VI. Is... Yeah, King George the Sixth. Definitely not a queen. So it mm-hmm. should be God Save the King. Somebody screwed up there? Again. Let's say that. Again. Again! We had a a, a 1941 comic book and now we don't have the proper sex of royalty? I'm I'm saying this is very
2: mistake prone. We also have as Lord Hedricks Roy Dotrice legendary British actor ever impressive chameleon like even from Hellboy 2 The Golden Army as King Balor And also as Father Wells in all fifty-five episodes of the original Beauty and the Beast from nineteen eighty-seven.
0: Hey, one more big name. I don't know how you overlooked this. Playing game, I haven't
2: overlooked it. I'm getting to there. Yeah, but if you want to go there, go for it. No,
0: no, you do it. You do it. No, No, you do it,
2: man. No, you have a lot more to say about him. We talked about who played the Shredder in the movies. Here's the guy who played the Shredder in the original cartoon, playing the role of Gabriel, Uncle Phil himself, James Avery.
1: So wait, if you're keeping score, we've talked about two people who have played Shredder on this episode. Correct. Episode 14. High Stakes Lady.
2: Jake agrees to accompany a woman to Takataya to play in a high stakes poker game. Gosh, where have I seen this before? Anyway, while there, the Japanese captured Jake and the women in order to reclaim a secret film that contains classified Japanese plans, which were stolen by the woman who is actually a spy. A couple of really good names here, and a couple of really good actors behind those names. In the role of poker player turned spy, Sabrina Doppler. Shelly Smith from For Love and Honor in 1983. Two episodes of Magnum, one episode of Cover Up, and four episodes of Simon and Simon.
0: And a week of Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour.
2: There it is. Yeah, there it is indeed. And as Tex Henderson, that name just screams poker player, doesn't it? Charles Napier, the original Murdoch from First Blood and Rambo. First Blood Part 2.
0: We know him as Duke Phillips on The Critic. Vote Mm -hmm. for Duke. Vote
1: for Duke.
2: While he was doing that, he was also the voice of Zed in Men in Black, the series. We talked about him a lot. He might come up in the next Hall of Fame. Who knows? Episode 15. Force of Habit. Two nuns carrying vaccinations to a poor village in China land on Boragora. Jake recognizes one of them as his former girlfriend and is suspicious of her motives. But when the Clippers carrying the vaccinations is stolen, the two of them
1: must work together to retrieve it. Let me guess who stole them. Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Oh, the names
2: in this episode. Well, first of all, let's talk about the two nuns. Mother Agnes is played by Elizabeth Huddle Nyberg. She was in Hill Street Blues, Cagney and Lacey, 13 episodes of Boone from 1983. She was also in previous entry, Tucker's Witch. There we go. Playing Sister Teresa, Pamela Susan Shoop. See, this is a Donald Belisario production, but she is a recurring player for Glenn A. Larson. She was in Magnum P.I., Wonder Woman, Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, Night Rider, and previous entries. I had Three Wives and Kids as a couple of known entities, let's just say. In a role as a native girl, Apollonia Katero. Yes, that Apollonia Katero. One of Princess's girlfriends from back in the day.
0: Before she dropped her last name. In
2: fact, she was credited in this episode as Patty Katero. And then playing a role of Nick. Somebody we don't talk about too much. Well, we talked about him, obviously, on this podcast, but we don't talk about him enough. Jim McCrow. Legendary host there.
0: Greg, don't you have anything to say about Return of the Shaggy Dog? Oh, yeah, he was
1: Eddie's he's dead in Return of the Shaggy Dog. Again, one of our underrated episodes. You need to go to the archives and listen to that. That was a great episode. Dog playing poker. <laughs> That's all you need to know. A dog playing poker and then playing three-court Monty and driving a beamer. Oh that's right. He did drive the beamer. That was great too. Everything about that movie was great. Episode sixteen
2: cooked goose because
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of his plane. <laughs>
2: While spending their honeymoon on a secluded island, a man and his bride are assaulted by mercenaries who seemingly work for Princess Koji. Jake, who has contracted to fly them to and from the island, returns to pick him up. There he finds the man beaten nearly to death and the woman missing. As an old acquaintance of the man, Jake vows to find his wife. Things become much more difficult, however, when Corky passes out while working on the goose and allows it to catch fire. Greg, Greg, Mike, Greg, Mike Yeah yeah. He was uh, dipping into the hold if you know what I'm saying Oh, okay Jack Shea returns as a clipper steward Professor Toru Tanaka returns as a sumo wrestler and in the roles of Phyllis and Alan Shoemates the newly married couple Sandra Curry who was Zach Galifianakis' mother in the hangover trilogy and james hampton who was in 49 episodes of days of our lives and in the second best police academy movie police academy 5 assignment miami beach
1: yes because it had matt mccoy in it
2: notice i said the second best police academy movie because as we established on this podcast, the best Police Academy movie, Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol.
1: Yama, 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 yama. Episode
2: 17, Last Chance Louie. A man from Louis's past lands on Boragora. Louis tells Jake that the man is a deserter who is responsible for the massacre of the unit they served during World War I, and that he vowed to kill the man if he ever saw him again. Later that night, the man is shot, and Louis, who is standing over the man's dead body with a gun in his hand, is arrested. Louis refuses to tell the magistrate why he did it, but Jake, knowing that Louis is hiding something, vows to save him. From the guillotine. Playing the role of the unlucky sod who gets the bullet from Last Chance Louie, Kurt Lowens. Kurt Lowens, of course, best known for his work in Angels and Demons, The Born Supremacy, and Flight Plan. Sally, no longer with us. Faye Grant. Also in this episode, as his significant other, Genevieve Labattier, pay grant, of course, from every other episode of The Greatest American Hero. And as the Magistrate Renard, Henry Darrow, from previous entry, Jennifer Slept Here, and future entry, Zorro and Son. Episode 18, Nakajima Kill. After narrowly escaping an assassination attempt, the Japanese defense minister flees to an island near Boracora. He is followed by his would-be assassin, who is a master of disguise and could be anywhere in the island chain, and anyone in the island chain. And it's up to Jake and his friends to smoke the assassin out. Meanwhile, Sarah's college roommate, now a successful reporter, lands on Boracora, hoping for an interview with the defense minister, and she will do anything to get it. As the defense minister, Nakajima, young bong, uncredited, and not of any consequence. But as the reporter who is looking for a review, guys, making her case for the Hall of Fame as the role of Whitney Bunting, Kim Cattrall, podcast favorite
1: oh yes and just remember last week at the time we were taping this we learned on how I met your father that cabbage is now cool everybody's eating it everybody's eating cabbage now
0: look over there
1: look over there and over there Oh no there. Oh my god, Sophie, look around. It's everywhere! We did, it. we did it! There's no way that's how it happened. Every single person was eating a cabbage almost immediately. That's the way I remember it. So that's how it happened. <laughs>
2: Episode 19.
1: Boragora,
2: or bust, a miner who has lived on Boragora for a 40 years is finally rewarded for all of his hard work when he finds platinum on his land. This turns Boragora into a boom town with people from all over arriving in hopes of striking it rich. It also attracts an unscrupulous American businessman who plans to claim the old man's platinum vine for himself. John McLean plays the role of Dowser, the guy who is lucky enough to find platinum on his land. John McLean was also in First Blood as Orville, and Cool Hand Luke as Boss Keen, as the one who wants to jump his claim, Truman Hastings, John Riley. Not John C. Riley, John Riley. So he played Clint Barton in the 1994 version of Iron Man. That's right, he was Hawkeye also played nine episodes as Mike Armstrong on very underrated HBO original series, Arless.
0: And we have a name directing this episode, Ivan
2: Dixon, who is on Hogan's Heroes. Episode 20, A Distant Shout of Thunder. After becoming nervous during a solar eclipse, Sarah inadvertently removes a statue of the fire god Pele, from an ancient burial site on Boragora. This is followed by a series of odd occurrences, bad weather, and the eruption of a volcano thought to be dormant. A native who believes that he has been chosen by Pele attempts to convince the other natives that the god is angry because of Sarah's actions. Playing the father on this episode, the creator himself, Donald Belisario plays... A father on this episode. And his son is played by his son, Michael.
0: And playing Paul in this episode. The Hall of Fame case is writing itself right now for Branscom Richmond. We've talked about him plenty of times. I think what we've referenced him most as is Bobby Six Killer and Bobby Four Killer on that one episode of Renegade. And actually, guys, this is not going to be an amazing discovery. So we're not going to play that music. But in the episode where Bobby Six Killer, there's like a dream sequence and he's only Bobby Four Killer at the time, but by the end of the episode, he's references Bobby Five Killer. So in the one episode, Bobby
2: Four Killer, Bobby Five Killer, Bobby Six Killer, there you go. I wonder what his name will be if you ever reboot Renegade.
0: I don't know if uh, Lorenzo Lamas necessarily wants to do that, you know, he's probably still uh, Living off those royalties from that one season
1: of Joe Schmo. Coming back soon on TBS. Yay?
2: By the way, study break did a deep dive on Joe Schmo. Not as deep as ours, but deep enough. It's a good watch.
1: And the final one. Morning becomes Matuka.
2: Someone is trying to assassinate Princess Koji. After Toto is wounded while saving her life, she persuades Jake to act as her bodyguard until she can discover who is trying to kill her. Uh, No name as General Anago, Sab Shimono. We talked about him on The Master. He was also in the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. No, by mistake. He was also in the third Teenage Ninja Turtles movie. And in the role of Shannon Flynn, Alexa Hamilton, who has been in two episodes of NCIS, two episodes of High Tide, 11 episodes of Santa Barbara, and one remake of The Poseidon Adventure. Oh, and Greg... She was in a 1987 episode of The Magical World of Disney.
1: Oh, what episode?
2: Double Agent.
1: What in the world is Double Agent?
2: Uh, Michael McKean as a spy.
1: Oh, all you had to do was say Michael McKean, and I was like, yeah, I'm there. Michael McKean as a spy, okay. So yeah, that's the
2: show. And... It was very well-received and very well-produced and very well-done. And to this day, big fan base, especially online. So what happened? Well, much like the Flash that we covered two weeks ago, it got good buzz. It was well-done. It was well-written. It was well-produced. And it was well-received. But it didn't. Not get the ratings that justified that big a budget. So, it was allowed to run out its course, but ABC canceled it at series' end.
0: If we take a look at the schedule, it went up against Seven Brides for Seven Brothers on CBS, so that's not bad competition, but it went against a bit of a better show, more popular in 1982. It went up against real people
2: alas colorful adventures on a deserted island are no match for the likes of sarah purcell john barber skip stevenson byron allen and peter Bellingsley.
0: but then the show moved a couple of places it moved to nine o'clock and ten o'clock and nine o'clock not terribly good because at nine o'clock on wednesdays it looked like cbs had a movie of the week but Oh, this hurts on NBC again. First half hour, Facts of Life. Second half hour, last season, to taxi. And then it eventually moved to 10 o'clock. But the competition really, well, there wasn't much. You had the Mississippi on CBS and Bare Essence,
2: whatever that is, on NBC. I've got the uh, season ratings here. Do you know how many
1: shows aired in 1982-83? For the season? For the season. Like what? 80?
0: 70? 90? Yeah. It ranked 69th. Nice! Mm, I was going to say not so
1: nice. But it ranked 69th! But hold on. Now, guys... I was searching for bare essence. Now, we do have this on the list. But this is the show that Jeannie Francis did between seasons on General Hospital. And do you know what co-star was on that show who she later married? Jonathan Frakes. Isn't that true, Jonathan? You were right. So, up against the likes of Jeannie Francis and...
2: The real people, people, and facts of life, it did not stand a chance. And ABC was just happy with the full season that it got. But if you are a fan of the Gold Monkey, you need not despair because our friends at Shout Factory have released the entire run on DVD. It's a bargain bin pick if you can find it. Or you could just go to Amazon, pay the 45 bucks, ship it off. But we did mention that the show has a bit of a following. It also has a bit of a legacy on three fronts. First of all, Disney's Tailspin, created by Jim McGon and Mark Zaslav, based on characters in The Jungle Book. That's the Disney movie, The Jungle Book, not the actual Jungle Book, Jungle Book. But Jim McGon and Mark Zaslov cited the series heavily in their development of the further adventures of the characters from the Jungle Book. And if you remember watching Tailspin, you can totally see it. The guy with a plane, co-pilot, guy with a bar, he's a monkey. Yes, King Louis owned the bar on Tailspin. Look it up. And also, if you are like Greg, Mike, and myself, a man of a certain age, you remember that one special room on Legends of the Hidden Temple. An homage to that series, The Shrine of the Silver Monkey.
1: That was because of the Tales of the Gold Monkey? Oh, yeah. That's cool. Wow. But there's one more thing. If you're a fan of Archer
2: and you remember season nine of Archer, the danger Island season that borrowed heavily from this show as well. So yeah, the show had fans. The show has a legacy.
0: And even a step further, it reran for a number of years on USA. USA. Looks like 88 to 90.
2: Because back then, you know, USA was really looking for things to air, and I'll tell you right now, you could do a whole lot worse than Tales of the Gold Monkey. It was a really good show.
0: Yeah, they could have aired Batman's Place. Oh, they did. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, would you believe it? I have an article written about Leo the dog. I want to hear this. Canine star gets publicity for ABC's Gold Monkey. This is an AP story. This is a shaggy dog story. Leo is a canine actor who plays Jack the one eyed dog in the new ABC series, Tales of the Gold Monkey. The little terrier, who frequently wears an eye patch in the show, has played the camp dog in MASH and has been in such movies as Nickelodeon, Helter Skelter, and Omen 2. Leo has a complete biography included in in the Gold Monkey press kit, thanks to ABC publicist Rosalind Jarrett. She writes with a straight face about his one brown eye, penchant for barking at the postman, and other bachelor activities. Jarrett concludes, while proud of his accomplishments as an actor, Leo's true ambition is to direct. AP people, high quality stuff.
2: Because the dog, who was a star on the TV show, About the gold monkey. Of course. He wants to parlay that into directing. So. There you have it. Tales of the gold monkey. They never found the gold monkey. We know it exists. Because we are the viewers. Who see the gold monkey. But we did find. This. Thing on TV.
0: Before we split. We got to do it. We got to do a Joey Gallo update.
1: But a doo-doo, Joey Gallo, he can't hit over 200, but he can sure smack a ball over the fence. It's the Joey Gallo update.
0: Well, guys, he's back from the DL, and he's still not hitting. Oh. Since we last talked, he has had a total of 17 at-bats, and a total of two hits one of which was a double so that brings his average down to 185 and that's horrible even by Joey Gallo standards 185 is horrible and now we are officially at one month plus since Joey Gallo last hit a home run 11 homers 24 RBIs and greg wants to make fun of andres jimenez and his 26 rbis we'll suck it andres jimenez has more rbis than joey gallo
2: but has he ever hit for the cycle
0: i'm going to say no but also he's only in his third year in the majors joey gallo's in like his
2: ninth year breaking news music what
1: this is cnn breaking news
2: Ellie De La Cruz has become the youngest player to hit for the cycle since 1972.
0: He's a friggin beast. That's amazing.
2: He's a freak of nature,
0: y'all. Oh, and actually, I should add, Joey Gallo did pinch hit tonight. Didn't get a hit, so his average goes down to 184. Oh But Ellie De La Cruz, oh my gosh. He is absolutely amazing. That's great. Wish we had him on the Guardians, but glad the uh, team to the south of us uh, has a good one.
2: I have to wonder where his ultimate injury will be because you know, he's going to have one. Well, you can cycle over to it Was a thing on tv.com where we have all of our episodes, our mini shows, our live watches, instant reactions, And remember, we are on the summer schedule, so we may sprinkle in a surprise or two here and there, but there's only going to be one episode every week for the next month or so. And when we do release it, it will be up on the site. Also, wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Remember, like and subscribe, rate and review. Five stars only, because positive vibes only. And if you're on YouTube, smack that notification bell so you can stay up to date for all of our future entries, including something. Greg, is John Cena going to be on the show next week? All I see is a blank space. Ah!
1: Well, I had something for next week, but I decided, you know what, I'll save it for next year. So, next week, we don't know what our topic is going to be, but I assure you, we're going to pick a good one. We have only one show per week, so we have to pick a winner. And whatever we pick, we're going to give it all we've got. Yeah, that's right. Right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you right here with that episode next Thursday. Row! I did promise, did I not, that we were going to name that little critter. Yeah. Oh. Lights,
0: please! From now on, on the deal, when the 50 cents is revealed, you shall refer to the monkey as Benoodles.
1: (laughs) Benoodles? Benoodles, those crazy kids from Banuel Primary. Benoodles. got quite a nice ring to it. Sure, it's a little
0: insane, but it's got a good ring to it.